A locavore is a person who chooses to consume food that is grown, raised or produced locally. This is the Locavore Podcast, brought to you by White's IGA. Welcome to my Locavore Podcast. I'm Ros White and this is the podcast where we dig deep into the stories behind the hundreds of locally sourced, artisan, bespoke and innovative products available to you in one location at White's IGA on the beautiful Sunshine Coast. Our Locavore program was officially launched in 2013 to showcase and highlight to our customers where their food comes from and help connect them to the families who create it. Today, I am chatting with a very inspiring lady, a self-confessed animal lover who is passionate about her girls, but I'm talking about her four-legged girls who are adored and cuddled, given the best of care, and in return, they provide the most beautiful milk. 16 years ago, Karen Lindsay bought a few goats And with a love of great food and a curiosity about what could be created, Karen set out to create a cheese like no other. Indeed, Little White Goat was born. And Karen did, in fact, create a cheese like no other. In fact, a world-first freeze-dried feta and a range of beautiful Persian-style feta and soaps. But with no background in cheese... But armed with the love of animals, a history of farming and plenty of determination as you need as a farmer, Karen has grown from just a few head of goats to currently over 50 and they're all ready to pop, apparently, Karen tells me. The farm is set in the beautiful Sunshine Coast hinterland, nestled between acres of banana palms. The goats enjoy clean air, lots of sunlight and no lack of love. And I'm so excited to welcome the magnificent, creative, innovative Karen Lindsay. Thank you Thank for coming you. In. Isn't it great to have you here? Thank you. Oh, wow. How's things on the farm? How are the girls? Well, I didn't feed them this morning, so they're not impressed. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> so they'll get fed when I get home. Oh. It was too early. Oh. They were still sleeping. Yeah. They were still asleep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh well, it, it's probably a bit cool and fresh this morning, so they'll they're be probably right. just all snuggled up and They can together. go and eat the grass. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Instead of waiting for their special yeah. grain. Oh, yeah. dear. So little white goat cheese or little white goat, it's a real family affair, isn't it? So you've got Mum Faye that helps you <laughs> yes. out in the cheese room. Yeah. Helps you out at the markets. You've got yeah. the grandchildren come and give lots of cuddles and love to the kids. Sure do. And Ross, your husband, you've got him, got the whip out and got him Well, in he the can yard. wash up. He's not allowed to touch the cheese. Ah, <laughs> so it's a true family affair and obviously a lot of love and passion that goes into the creation of your beautiful cheese. And is that something, do you think, that comes through as your secret ingredient maybe? I think so. I looked at a lot of other dairies before I started mine and they bred the goats, took the kids off them, fed their milk but kept mums away and I just... Being an animal lover, I would just sit and cry. I know you have to do it in dairies. Well, so I, I don't do that. When they when the kids are born, they stay with their mums for a week and then I separate them at night. Mums mm-hmm. can still sleep next to them because it's just a gate. I milk mums in the morning and I always leave milk for the kids and then they romp and roam and Aww. with mums for the rest of the day. How beautiful. And then this nutty old lady has to chase up 40 or 50 kids and try and catch them and put yeah. them in the pen at night. Oh, imagine Yeah, that's not pretty. You need your running <laughs> shoes, not your gumboots. Well, okay. I end up. Over in the paddock and upside down and oh, yeah, get there. So 50 
young ladies, yes. all in all in waiting, all in waiting. Mm-hmm. How how long is this the breeding season now? It's been a bit late with all the rain. We had the drought and the rain. It's sort of thrown things into a bit of chaos. But mid October they'll start, mm. and I'll be there, yeah. waiting, helping. So you've got fifty girls in kid. Yep. Is that what you're saying, yep. kid? What if they all go in the first, like oh, no, all go together? They <laughs> <I> can't. <laughs> no, Mr. Buck went down. Mr. Mateo went down and took his time. So they don't all come right. together. So yeah. So, so it's it could be good, like every day, but yeah. If is it was he all the happiest together, goat on the oh, sunshine the smile coast? On his, he would just stand it like he was exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> he was just hot. But he's back in his house now, so he's having a rest. Yep. Oh. He was very happy. So you've got fifty <laughs> girls in one buck. Yeah. Crikey, he's busy, isn't he's he? He's very busy. Yes. Does he yes. get a rest? Through, through oh, he'll, he'll have a rest now till probably April. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll, I'm hoping to have some, I'll keep a couple of bucks this year so that we get different lines. So I read somewhere that you have a sustainable ethical approach to your breeding, mm-hmm. which means that it is on their natural yes. breeding time rather yes. than a production cycle as such, even yes. though you're a commercial operation. So what difference does it make? Why do you do that or why do you take that approach and what difference does it make? What is the impact of that? Well, I probably don't produce more milk doing it that way. A lot of dairies actually have lights on, so they'll keep the lights on 24 hours a day for a certain amount of time, which brings the goats on heat, and which I don't think is natural. Yeah, and right. then they'll all breed at the same time where mine is just when they're on heat, they're on heat. It's a longer process for me. It might go over two months. Two and a half months of kidding, but that's just what nature does. Like mm. I don't like the, the interfering with it. So you've still got girls at the moment that have kids. Yep. So you're still milking them now. No, no, I'm not actually. They've oh. dried up. They dry dried up. Right. Yep. So you're waiting for this next. Yes. Spot. So how does that impact on the milk production to be able to make your cheese? And how does what impact does that have so on I the have production a, of the a, cheese? A friend at Clifton, which is on the about an hour the other side of Gatton, yep. and they've got seventeen hundred milkers. Wow. That they milk twice a day, and I just I cringe. Yeah. <laughs> but so I always have milk if I'm, right. and they farm the same way I do. So, mm. but to go there and see seventeen hundred, it's just oh, it gives me. And goats amuse me. They're antics. They're really quite mischievous, aren't they? What is it about them wanting to crawl up on the top of things? So you, you drive past, you see a goat on top of a tra- like yep. on top of a tractor or on top yep. of a car. You can't keep them in the fence. You've got to build fences up multi stories high. Electric, electric. yes. Which what takes is them it? A while. Why are they so <laughs> I, mischievous? I don't know. They I think, they amuse me. I don't know whether it's being an ex school teacher. You've always got those naughty kids in the class, but goats are just always naughty. They're just if someone's if there's a hole in a fence, they'll get their head stuck. They can put their head in, but they can't work out how to get it out. I, I don't know. If, and if someone's lying down sleeping, there'll be two kids bouncing on them like a trampoline. It's just like... So you do, nah, do you nah. make them like... Probably you don't do that now as a teacher, but make them go and stand in the naughty corner. Well, I used to do that. <laughs> <laughs> go and sit in the corner. Sit outside my, I always say that's my favourite place, <laughs> yeah. the naughty corner. <laughs> These gorgeous girls. So tell me about a day in the life of Farmer Karen and... A female farmer as well, I might say, which is absolutely extraordinary. How does your day start and how do you nurture these beautiful, magnificent girls who you clearly love to to bits and nurture them, herd them, milk them, and then produce? Like, how? Just walk me through a day. I'm intrigued. In a day of, say, they've kidded or they're in the kid 
I'm up early if they're kidding and I know someone's due because they, they're around 150 days gestation. They can go five days either side, but you always know when they're going to kid because they'll start digging a little nest or they're very chatty. So if they're kidding, I'm down there most of the day getting pens ready. They'll come up to me, especially the older girls, they'll come up to me and say, oh, mum, it's happening. Mum. Mum. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I sit there and I'm usually 99% of the time I'm there when they kid mm. in case there's a problem. When I'm milking, I'm down there not too early because you have to sleep. They know that they, they've got to get milked, so they line up at the race and it's a fight to only let, because I only milk two at a time. So I have a battle at the gate to only let two in. Mm. And if more than two get in, there's a lot of swearing. I have to then get rid of them and go back and do it again. I've got one girl called Zella who will go up multiple times. She just gets into the queue and I go to put the milking cups on and she's done you. They're clean. They're washed. They're done. And she's like, she's eating more tea. <laughs> so, yeah, once the milk's collected, then I go, I've got a 40-foot shipping container that's been made into my cheese room and a 200-litre pasteuriser. So the milk goes in there and pasteurised and cooled and then it's poured into buckets. I still use buckets, add my culture and rennet and then I let it sit overnight. So a lot of feta is hard and crumbly and that's because they stir it and get all the moisture out. So I let mine sit and then the next day it's just scooped, it's ladled into the baskets so that's why it's soft, creamy feta. Mm, and um, it is beautiful. And then after a couple of days in the cold room, I put them in brine. And then after about three days, I put them in tubs or bottles and jars and stick at them and deliver them. Wow. So how long from that end part of the process where it's packaged and then could be in our stores, Whiteside Probably JA a week. A week. A week, yeah. yeah. If I yeah, really and the fresh Persian style feta, a little white goat, it's absolutely magnificent. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it is absolutely. It's very yeah. We just did the glorious. big Bay Festival, yeah. and the number of people who said, "Oh, I love feta," and then they'd eat this and it's like, "Oh, so creamy." Mm. Mm. And they'd say another brand, "Oh, I'm going to buy yours now." It's mm. like you're really chuffed. Of really, course, yeah, it makes you feel. You should be Karen. It is a magnificent product, thank and you. and your whole. Story. I want to go back to your story yep. uh, after a little bit later on, but just the flavour profile or the creation of you. You aren't a cheese maker. You are now, but that's that wasn't really. your background. You're well, creating beautiful cheese. Yeah, so. but I'm not a cheese like you think of the Italians or the French or not like that. What gave oh. you the inspiration to step in this to become a cheesemaker? And how did you create such a beautiful end product? I know we talked about your secret ingredient is love and the, your love for the goats and, yep. you know, the family. But the production of it, there must be a certain level of skill there for you to and you marinate it in the brine so that yep. it's beautiful and soft. But what inspired you to be able to go, oh, okay, I'm going to do it this way? A lot of mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of cheese thrown down the paddock. <laughs> because I didn't like goat cheese before I had goats. I thought it had an awful flavour and I'm not, and I shouldn't say that because there's some beautiful goat cheese out there, but that awful, I, I call it a bucky flavour, which some people love. So I did a cheese making course and I thought, oh, no, oh. I tried yogurt and that was awful. I made ice cream, that was good. Did soap, which my granddaughter now does, mm. and she's killing it. Isn't that she's doing so well. How old's your granddaughter? Sixteen. Yeah, killing it. Isn't that, Just isn't that wonderful? Yeah, 
Yeah, it's changed me how badly I did it. Oh. Well, she, she's just out there. She's online, so yeah. no, she's doing a great job. Yeah. So, yeah, the feta, there were some awful fetters because they, they tell you how to make it, but they don't tell you all the little tweaks. And certain times of the year the milk hasn't got the protein or the fat, so it doesn't make as good a feta. So you've got to learn how to feed the goats properly. If the feed's too rich, it doesn't taste fabulous. What do you feed them? Because I know, uh, well, the legend says that it could be a myth, you know, goats eat anything. No, I wish they did. Yes. So (laughs) So they don't eat the weeds. They look at you as if. Uh, No. Excuse me? Uh, No. If there's a poisonous one, they'll eat it and get sick. So I'm out there picking out plants that aren't great that pop up after the rain. So I do a grain mix. There's, There's quite a number of grains in there. And then I feed a chaff. So if, if in winter when the, there's no paddock, they get a lucent chaff. But now we've got grass, they'll get a triple mix or something, a bit of roughage. We just dug out all their pens, my grandson did, and I bought some bedding straw to put down and make it all nice. They ate it. <laughs> they ate the lot. $18 a bale and they ate it. So, so they oh, can lie no. on the dirt. I don't care now. Oh, my. <laughs> the lot. Oh, Scratched their bellies and then ate it. (laughs) They were just (laughs) revolting, naughty girls. Oh, you make your bed, you lie in it, but they eat it. it, So that's it. I don't get any more clear babies. That is hysterical, honestly. Yeah. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Hang on, I've got to just compose myself again now. So <laughs> I wonder what the flavour profile would be of the the cheese. I'll find out in a couple of weeks. Oh, they're so oh, naughty. Dear, oh dear. Oh, yeah. It's amusing. It's so amusing, <laughs> honestly. Oh, goodness. So let's go back to Karen Lindsay. You grew up in Wavell Heights in oh. Brisbane with your mum, your dad, your sister. Mm-hmm. And you've always been an animal lover and you wanted more animals and you weren't allowed them. So you'd sit with the dog all day and mm-hmm. then you'd try and steal the neighbour's cat. cat. Yep. So I guess what was. Growing up as a child on the farm and that sort of thing, you went from teaching yep. to a to farmer Karen. Yep. Was it your childhood that kind of had that influence, that enjoyment that you got from being around animals and that sort of farm? I think as a life? kid, at Wayne Wavell Heights, because it was a sixteen perch block, so it was, you know, the the little backyard with the washing line and the the hills hoist and bindi patch, and that was about it. I don't know. I always always had this. There was something in me that loved the animals and mum and dad was an animal lover. Mum could see it. But, yeah, the neighbour's cat would come over and I'd lie on the cement path that went down to the hills hoist and Sooty the cat would come and lie with me in the sun and just purr, like sit around my head. And I would just lie. I must have looked like I had something (laughs) wrong with me. But I could just sit there and just. Of course. And then I'd get called to do something. They'd, They'd know where to find me. So then when I married Ross and it was like, oh, my God, all this land and the birds. I bought some cows. I actually paid a cherry ripe once to a dairy to get the the little bully calf and I took it home and bottle fed it and we took that to the farm when I moved into the farm and so I got a couple more. The kids went and worked at the dairy and brought a couple more home and we bottle fed them and much to Ross's disgust, I think. He was down to one child and one dog and he ended up with four dogs and four kids. <laughs> <laughs> and he's very happy too. He is. He's a beautiful he is. man. He's a gorgeous man. 
So teaching, I was really dis, disgruntled with the teaching profession. I don't believe all kids should go in one end and come out the same at the other. There's kids that can't do it. They'll never be mathematicians. They'll never be arty or they won't be, you know. And at school I went into everything. I got to the state for volleyball. I swam for the high school. So, yeah, I just did everything. I, I couldn't sit still. And when I had the opportunity to buy a couple of goats, knowing nothing about goats, <laughs> and they when they sold them to us, they must have gone, sucker. <laughs> because knowing now what I know, oh, you wouldn't buy them in a million years. One oh, had, you one would had say. No. <laughs> no, for breeding. One had boobs like Dolly Parton. <laughs> And the other one had little finger boobies like, oh. how the hell are my hands oh. going to build? So, so do you have to have different size suction cups? No, they all no? just, just <laughs> do it. But I was hand milking at that stage. Wow. So the one with Dolly Parton boobies, I had to milk one, two hands on one boob. Good golly. <laughs> so, yeah, not the great. You wouldn't. So was she called Dolly? Like how do no, you No, it was name? actually Possum and Perinda oh. were the names. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So you name them all, don't you? Yes. Yes. So yes. so how do you identify one goat from another? Like do they have? Well, I suppose it's like going into a shopping centre. Someone's got blonde hair mm. and saggy boobs. <laughs> so <laughs> I know which goat's got. They're, and, and that's their identifying. It's B really cup, sad. D cup, E cup. Oh, yes. <laughs> a, triple E. Oh, yeah, yeah, you do. They, all their faces are different when you look at them. Yeah. They've all got something different. The ears are different. The way they greet you in the morning, I've got four that come straight up to me and just rub their heads on my oh. face and lick. And so, they're, yeah, they're all different. I've got one who's a standoff, horrible, horrible, just horrible. But she likes a butt scratch, so mm. you can sort of. So you traded one lot of kids for another lot of oh, kids. Oh, the best sort of fairy ones, yeah. 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 And <laughs> and is Ross all right with that now? He's he's adapted. Oh, he'll say bloody goats. <laughs> and if they get into my bananas and I said, well, fix the fence. You've, so you've got bananas on the on the property as well. Yeah, well, he's grown yeah. bananas for fifty five yeah. years. Yeah, so yeah, the goats can see the bananas. <laughs> yeah, can't get to it. Oh, they're poor. No wonder yeah. they eat their beds. They're oh, salivating. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. So tell me a little bit about this world first freeze dried feta. What an astounding incredible achievement to innovate in this space of cheese making mm. and create the world first freeze-dried feta, which I have tasted, absolutely beautiful. It has a very sharp, intense flavour and you would normally use it on pizzas. A lot of chefs use it yes. to add a, a, a real intense sort of a flavour yeah, you don't uh, need a lot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I made the mistake of putting a whole lot in my, <laughs> <laughs> in my mouth. And and I, like, I, I, I can't breathe. <laughs> oh, we dear. had a couple of people at the festival put it in their mouth and it came out their nose. Yes. <laughs> oh, what have you been doing? <laughs> so yeah, well, it, it comes in a packet. It's shelf stable. Yes. And it is just it's dried and crumbly. That's yes. the, it, that's its consistency. But yes. the flavour profile is incredible. And once you eat it, it's not unless you put a whole tablespoon in. Yeah, it's well, not. Yes, don't <laughs> it's do that. It's not. Warning, warning. <laughs> so I lost all my restaurant trade when COVID hit. The girls were still milking and I still had cheese and I knew a girl who was part owner of a freeze-dried business up in Nooseville, or Noosa Head, sorry. I was talking to her at the markets and I went, what do you reckon? She'd never done it before. 
And so I took a load up and freeze dried it. And so you took a load up. of like, just just beautiful, clean. fresh, yep. soft, fetter Mar- that you, um, you, you put into the in brine, brine yep. Yep, yep. overnight yep. and just and took that up. Yep. Yep. And, and she dried it and she rang me and went, oh, my goodness. And it was like, oh, I think we've, we've got it. So that saved us actually. Mm. And I did a few radio interviews and then Landline came and did a story and that just went nuts because I seem to sell a lot out to remote communities. Yes. Because they can't get fresh dairy and this is as good as. So it's it's not dehydrated, it's freeze-dried. So 95% of the moisture is, is sucked out of the cheese and it's shelf-stable for 18 months in your pantry. Actually longer, but you can't say 20 years or anything. But mm. So, yeah, uh, the flavour is very intense, but the nutrients are still there. Mm. So freeze-dried foods are actually really nutritious. Yeah, and a lot of chefs have taken on it and some of the dishes they've created, like even desserts. So tell me about how have you seen it used on the plate at home? What would be? Oh, at home? Or by a chef. But if I, if you came, but you if know. You, okay, so say you've made a beautiful pea and ham soup. You can put a dessert spoon on the top and then as you're eating it, it's it's not, it doesn't rehydrate, but it's almost like it's chewy and soft mm. and creamy with the soup. And adds a little bit of texture it maybe does. and just that flavour burst. Yeah. Tony Tierney is a fabulous chef who uses it. They did something with strawberries and then they made a creme brulee or something and then they put the freeze-dried sprinkled over the top. Incredible. Or deconstructed cheesecakes. I make bread every day at home in a bread maker. You can put a tablespoon into your bread mix and make a cheesy bread. You can mix it with butter and put it on the other side of a piece of bread and fry it. You've got sizzler bread. Oh, yes. Um, There's a big yes. secret, big tip. Try that one. Yes, we can't call it sizzler bread. We'll have to make it. No. Oh, just on avocados, on sprinkled on bruschetta, lay it in pastas or veggie bakes. or It's, it's only your imagination limited by that. Yeah, incredible. Hundreds of ways. Yeah, amazing. So available through White's IGA stores. Yes. Where else do you sell it? Do you sell it online or markets? Online. Yep. I don't do markets anymore because no. I don't have time. So, so what, where could people buy it if they wanted to, apart from White's IGA stores? Where could they buy it online? Littlewhitegoatcheese.com. Yep. It takes you to the webpage and it's just a yep. click. So online. anyone remote? Yes. Anyone in rural or regional anyway, areas? It's gone all over you, Australia. I've oh, actually I've sent you it to post Germany. Internet? Yeah. There you go. Um, to be, I have a lot of markets overseas who want it, but I have to have accreditation for sending it overseas. Right. So it has to be site approved for that for right. overseas. So I'm I'm looking to I'll go for grants if I could get my own freeze dryer because mm. I went for a Churchill Trust scholarship. Yeah, and I just missed out. Oh. Just went to got to the final stage and just missed out. But I'm going to go for it again. Yeah, good on you, Karen. Um, but I want to use other producers, other farmers' seconds and create meals. And I'm passionate about nursing homes and schools and hospital food because I'm sorry, I don't care what they tell you, Mm. they're not nutritious and they're the places you need to have nutrition. Yes. So if kids' tuck shops could sell little packs of snack food, the the nutrition in that, that nursing homes, how much food do they waste? Mm. I'm just, that's my dream. So how will you make that happen? So I just you, will. Yeah. I'll just that determination. I'm, I'm, Look I've at those just, eyes yeah. looking at me. <laughs> I've just yesterday I started a been accepted to do a big marketing six month course, and I'm 
hoping I can get out and speak to people, maybe do some little stagey things, go on stage and talk to people at, you know, fundraising and I'll do it. Mm. I'll do it. And and if we could build it at home on the farm and farmers can just back in, drop their produce off, mm. they'll have something else they can So sell. you're talking about creating a facility, a freeze-dried yep. facility yep. you would utilise yourself yes. but also provide like under contract or misshapen, unusable, yes. otherwise food that would normally go into landfill or be regarded as food waste, yep. which is absolute huge, crazy when we think about the level of food insecurity. Yep. We have an extraordinary level of food waste, which mm. is just unacceptable. We have to change as a society, don't we? But you're seeing that as an opportunity to then be able to provide fresh, nutritious food that is freeze-dried into schools, into aged care facilities, yep. hospitals, hospitals yep. as an alternative. And it's but, money for the farmers yeah. instead of throwing out their strawberries that have a weird yes. spot on it or bananas, we, we freeze-dry those. The Churchill Fellowship Scholarship I was going for, in America they do they do complete meals. There might be five or six or seven components of that meal. They're putting CBD oil into snacks and if you put that into nursing homes, they're not only getting nutritious food but they're getting pain relief, mm. helping them sleep. It's not a danger, but that's what they've started in America. So the opportunities are endless. Huge. And you think about remote communities in Australia, yep. that could be an option. Camping, people that are camping. Hiking, yeah. there's endless. So what does it cost to set up a a a facility, so a commercial facility and or a freeze-dried machine? Like what, what, what would be the investment um, required? 100 kilo machines, about 150 grand. It's probably gone up a little bit now. Then you've got to create a space for that, but you could do a 40-foot shipping container. We've sort of worked it out. If you had, if we built the sheds and had to buy the machine, probably half a million, mm. which when you think they just spent $24 million on our road going up to our farm, sure, yeah. half a million is not a lot of money. Yeah. But... Uh, and it could solve a lot of problems. Oh, it would solve so many problems. And I be mean, good for a great environmental sustainability. Yeah. And there's yeah. kids that are hungry, that go to school hungry. Yeah. If they could open a pack of freeze-dried bananas or fruit or strawberries or whatever, that's given them that kick, that bit of nutrition. Mm. The leaders of this nation don't see how many people are hungry, are not well, eating properly. Well, there's leaders like you that can make that change, I'm Karen. Gonna, I will make More it power happen. to yeah, you. Thank you. And, you know, hopefully somebody will be listening Today to this podcast that might sort of strike a, or mm. pique their interest and please feel free to reach out and contact Karen and be happy to chat an investor or... Be fabulous. We know. are way behind in mm. this field. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah. See, you. extraordinary, innovative... <laughs> Trying to. Creative, <laughs> fabulous lady. So you've got plenty on the horizon. Mm. You've learnt through trials, tribulations... Oh. Challenges. What have been the real highlights for you? Obviously the freeze-dried. That's been my biggest achievement, I think. I've got gold medals and awards from the ECA, from the RNA, for the dairy, for my cheese and my milk and the freeze-dried. That was a buzz because mm. the, the judge had never seen the freeze-dried, obviously, and he was very impressed. Or being on Landline, being on Great South East, My Way, Better Homes and Gardens scene, which was hilarious. I don't know what they're going to show. <laughs> Big Ed being flattened by 30 goats. <laughs> it was hilarious. And I told him not to tip food onto himself, <laughs> but he tipped a 20-litre bucket of food on his chest. <laughs> so that was the end of Fast Ed. 
I just stood back and I could see a little hand reaching up and help me, help me, but no, it's too funny. So I'm sure that will be in the Christmas book. Look out for that episode. It sounds like an absolute crap. The back of him was just covered in, you can imagine. Oh, Karen. (laughs) Goodness. It was hilarious. So that'll be, yeah. I know. Mum being next to me at the the festivals. Yeah. Yeah, with Faye. She could. Yeah. Yeah. She's 87. 87 in October. Wow. She doesn't look it. No. Okay, I work her too hard. She's yeah. She's gives us something to do, I think, but she gets a lot of washing up too. <laughs> so yeah, she's she's a a big part of it. Yeah, the grandkids all love it, and Rossi's Rossi's a big supporter. Yeah, you're a beautiful family. It's just that love coming through, mm. and that you know your passion for what you do, and yep. love for your family, Karen. Yep, that makes you and, yeah. who you are. Sook. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> So, so you can imagine me when the goats are kidding and I'm crying and <laughs> they're pushing and I'm pushing and I'm like, it's ridiculous. She's finding herself going, come on, mama, push. And I think, thank God I haven't got any neighbours. Oh, oh <laughs> darling, honestly. Yeah. Oh, so. What an experience. Extraordinary. Yeah. Well, I could keep talking to you all day. <laughs> Absolutely. You're such a delight. And it's been such a pleasure over the years getting to know you as we've sort of sat down and had lots of conversations yes. about all sorts of yes. different things, haven't we? <laughs> we had that we did the love handle launch yes. at one stage yes. too, which that's was going to get marketed very differently very soon. Yeah. So we're going to try overseas for that. So that was just a so Karen also came up with another innovative idea, which we had a, you had a clip on handle that would go over the grocery trolley bar uh, for a hygiene point of view, particularly through COVID when people were a bit um, hesitant to touch surfaces and that sort of thing. It was just another way. It was actually, I I invented it before that, but we've had it trademarked and patented now in uh, the uh, Madrid Protocol, which covers all the EU countries and England, Australia and New Zealand. Mm. So we're just, this marketing course will help me get that over there. Yeah. Good on you. Amazing, amazing. Freeze dries first. I'm yes. Like, I really yes, want to do that too. Yeah. So many yeah. things to do. You're going to have to live till you're a thousand <laughs> oh, I years so. old. I just turned 60. Happy birthday. So I'm hoping another 40 years. Yeah. Just put in a few ramps for the yeah. wheelchair. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. good yeah. on you. And I'm sure you will. You're full of life and energy. Yeah. So, Karen, extraordinary achievements through your life and what you've already done and so much more to come. But interested to know what is your motto what do you live by what is that thing that you feel represents you as a person and your motto in life I came up with this a while ago and I've actually I was trying to get my computer skills much better than they are and they should be better so I actually did put this motto onto a book and it's on Amazon it's just a journal that you write in and it's on Amazon for sale Wow. And it's called Dreams Are Just the Beginning. Wow. And that's my motto. Fantastic. If you can dream it, you can do it. Yes. Yes. You're right. If you can see it, you can do it. You can do it. You just got to get off your butt and do it. Yes. And don't let anyone tell you that you're nuts. You can, I know they do, but. Well, it doesn't matter if they do. I don't care if If you know what you're doing and. And and I might be, but if you believe in yourself, just don't say, I can't do it. You can. You can. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's yep. inspirational and you're quite right. You know, it doesn't matter what anyone else says. Mm. You, if you can see it, you can do it yep. and they'll probably only say it once yes. because they'll look at what you're doing <laughs> and then they'll go, oh, yes. I won't say that again about Karen Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Look at her go. <laughs> and I, don't, I don't care if they do. I don't. No, it's you my shouldn't. Dream. It's my dream. 100% yep. you own it, girlfriend. Yep. Yep. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. 
always love seeing you. You always make me laugh. <laughs> You're a delight and absolutely congratulations for all that you've achieved. Thank you. Best, best, best wishes. Thank you. Thank you. Right behind me. you, cheering you on. <laughs> Pushing the wheelchair to the end. <laughs> oh, push it for you, babe. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thanks, Karen. Thanks. A locavore is a person who chooses to consume food that is grown, raised or produced locally. This is the Locavore Podcast, brought to you by White's IGA.